Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is um, us continuing our Come Follow Me materials for this week. We are covering May the 4th to May the 10th, um, which is covering Mosiah chapters 11 to 17, a light that can never be darkened. And we're going to begin to look at the section which covers Mosiah 14 to 15, Jesus Christ suffered for me. Uh, we're going to take a couple of days for this because there's so much packed into this teaching that uh, that Abinadi does to King Noah and his priests. Um, King Noah and his priests believe that salvation came through the Lord Moses, but Abinadi wants them to know that salvation came through Jesus Christ. So in verse in chapter 14, he quotes Isaiah, which is, again, ironic, considering that the priests of King Noah tried to trip him up. By and try to justify their their views and actions by quoting Isaiah, when actually it, Isaiah shows that they didn't understand the law of Moses at all, that it was to point toward the Savior. Uh, in verse one of chapter fourteen, he says, "Yea, even doth not Isaiah say, Who have believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed?" So, we know here that uh, Isaiah is beginning his uh, teaching of how the saviour would come himself. Uh, Elder Geoffrey R. Holland uh, said this, quote, Abinadi poignantly taught that God should redeem his people, that God himself would come down from heaven, take upon himself by birth the form of a man, and go forth in mighty power upon the face of the earth. To reinforce that declaration, Abinadi quoted the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, surely the most powerful and extended passage regarding Christ in all the, New in the Old Testament, developing the symbolism of the Saviour not so much as a shepherd, but as a sheep, close quote. I love how uh, Ella Holland points out here that this chapter, which Abinadi refers to, is probably one of the, the most explicit and in-depth passages that we have in the Old Testament about who the Saviour would be, what he would do, and what he would take upon himself. And so it would be well worth us uh, deep studying this deeply and considering what it teaches us about our Saviour, Jesus Christ, uh, which, of course, is the whole purpose of the Book of Mormon, which is why it's no surprise that this chapter is included. In verse 2 of Mosiah chapter 14, it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He have no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. There's a couple of things I want to pick out from this verse. First of all, that he shall grow up as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Um, there's a couple of meanings we can take from this, but the first one that I kind of think of is that there is a link here to the family history or the lineage that Christ has. We know that uh, it was often uh, prophesied and repeated that he would be from the line of David. Um, and so we can refer to the roots and the analogy of roots being linked to the the history that Christ comes from. And then when it talks about that there'll be no beauty that we should desire him. I always find that an interesting verse, an interesting phrase. Does that mean that he won't look attractive? But actually, it's not to do with that at all. Uh, Bruce R. McConkie said this, quote, there is no mystique, no dynamic appearance, no halo around his head. Thunders do not roll and lightnings do not flash at his appearance. He is the son of the highest, but he walks and appears as the offspring of the lowest. He is a man among men, appearing, speaking, dressing, seeming in all outward respects as they are. His physical appearance shall not be what attracts others to him. Close quote. 
I've just realised that that last bit, sorry, was not a quote, that last sentence. That was me writing down my notes. So that wasn't Bruce Harper McConkie. Sorry about that. But I like how, it out, how Elder McConkie outlined that the whole thing that attracts this people to the saviour is not great thunders and mystique in his, in his appearance. He doesn't have a great halo around, around his head. He walks amongst men as, as anyone else. Um, and so that is not what would attract him, others to him, but his spiritual um, presence, his, his teachings. Um, it, and again, of course, when he dies, that is when we see the great signs in the heavens. Um, but as he goes about the earth, um, whilst he performs miracles, there is not, you know, a grand physical uh, you know, attestation that he is the saviour. People are to learn by faith. In uh, verse three, uh, it says he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it. We, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Um, we need to not, you know, retreat away from the saviour because we're ashamed. Um, you know, he's he was despised. He was rejected. And he had so much grief. And I love how it says acquainted with grief. It's like he knows a gr he knows grief personally, which, of course, as we get later on in these verses, we know he, it was a personal experience that he had with all, with all these sorrows. Uh, Robert D. Hale said this, quote, Sometimes we become the lightning rod, and we must take the heat for holding fast to God's standards and doing his work. I testify that we not need not to be afraid if we are grounded in his doctrine. We may experience misunderstanding, criticism and even false accusation but we are never alone our savior was despised and rejected of men it is our sacred privilege to stand with him close quote the reality is is that our savior went through infinitely more shame and and suffering and grief and you know re rejection that we ever could now obviously he is the son of god he was able and had the capacity to take it perhaps more than we did but he did it because of his infinite love for all of us. And so we should have that love for our saviour that we would be willing to, and, you know, it is a difficult truth, but we are willing to take rejection. We are willing to take um, sorrows for, for his cause. In verse four, uh, it says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. And this is, again, the fantastic teaching is that, yes, we may receive griefs and sorrows, either because of the choice that we have made to follow the Saviour or simply because we live in mortality and life is, you know, we live in a fallen world and yet he carries it all for us. Elder Neil A. Maxwell testified powerfully of this when he said, quote, Jesus Christ knows by actual personal experience because not only did he suffer pains, afflictions and temptations of every kind during his second estate, but he took upon himself our sins as well as our pains, sicknesses and infirmities. Thus he knew not in abstraction, but in actuality, according to the flesh, the whole of human suffering. He bore our infirmities when we bore them, before we bore them. He knows perfectly well how to succor us. He, we can tell him nothing of pain, temptation or affliction. He learned according to the flesh and his triumph was complete. Close quote. He has been through it all. He has experienced everything that, he, that there ever was to experience. He, he knew our pains and sufferings more. And this no surprise to me that as we move into chapter 15, that Abinadi has such an acute, acute understanding of the atonement uh, because he's clearly studied these words 
I mean, he wouldn't have had um, a record to quote from. Let's, let's imagine the scene. You know, we, we may have had great portions of Isaiah copied out by Nephi earlier in the Book of Mormon and great, you know, um, teachings by the Savior from Isaiah later on when he's teaching the Nephites at the temple. And he may well have had records to read from, although he is the Son of God. He will, he will have probably known those uh, to his in, his in his heart. But Abinadi is a mortal man. And yet he has just quoted a 12 verse long passage from Isaiah uh, to the priest of King Noah and to King Noah himself in a situation where he's not going to likely be able to say, oh, do you mind if I just borrow these records? Can I just read this chapter of Isaiah to you? It's more most likely when you think of the context that he will have recited these from heart. And so he has clearly studied and clearly, you know, taken to heart so of, of his understanding um, this passage of Isaiah um, and has great love for it because he then he then teaches another chapter afterwards of what this means. And some of the most powerful teachings of the, of the atonement are included in Isaiah chapter 15 from Abinadi. So consider how a couple of days ago we learned how the priests of King Noah uh, didn't have the full understanding of the scriptures in their hearts. They likely had the records and they just quoted out from, from Isaiah. But then Abinadi was able to testify, quote this entire chapter, and then give a whole discourse, an in-depth discussion on what it means in, in the following words that he says. He took the scriptures to his heart and he, like many of us, should be uh, should be able, well, he was able to, to um, have such a an intimate knowledge of these scriptures and we should try and have that as well thank you for listening today um, i hope you've enjoyed the study we only got through five verses but there's a lot to take in there we'll go into chapter 15 tomorrow though because i want to cover some of the things in there so please i encourage you to study the rest of mosiah 14 because it is fantastic stuff on the savior um, i hope that you um enjoy this and that you share it and that you uh, you can respond back session at gmail.com if you've got any comments and of course there's the facebook group church of jesus christ study session with come follow me you can join us there and and share your own thoughts about what you've studied thank you for listening and until we meet again